Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Yeah, I, I, I'm a blessed guy. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm just going to brag for a minute, but like, look at my family. They're freaking awesome. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and um, we had pastor's kids run away to our house to spend the evening or to spend a few days because of the stuff that was going down because of the pressure of being a pastor's kid. And like this community has not been that story for my kids because you guys just love them and accept them. And like, I know that that takes a lot of courage because they're kids. And he might wear cowboy boots sometimes and things like that, but I'm glad that you still love him anyways. Um, but I'm just so, I love you, son. I'm so proud of you. Like, I think all those things that you've heard said, they, I hope they resonate deep. And like, I just love how, uh, I think Caleb Mangum says it best. He said, you know, Renew is a place where um, it's not flashy, but the, the theology is solid. And I would add to that and just say our practice is solid. There's not a lot of churches that will take time on a day like today to just honor graduates. And I love that. Talking with the highs, Micah graduates next year. And so, Micah, this is a vision into what's going to happen to you. Um, but what I appreciate is that we take time to celebrate these things because it's not just a thing. It's you're a person. And I just hope you recognize how everyone has seen you, whether you realize it or not. And just the gift that that is. Um, yeah. I'm just really proud of you, son. And Kylie, I'm proud of you for putting up with your brother. Um, <laughs> you do, yes. Um, the one thing that wasn't mentioned is the other thing that Caleb is really good at is lightsaber fights. Uh, I can barely bend this hand because it's like it was always like a one, two soft, and then from like this high, as hard as he could, right across my knuckles every time. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, anyways, and yeah, Mayor, I think too, this is also just a moment for you to realize that like you poured your life into these kids, especially this one, and like he's he's grown up to be just a fine young man. Um, and yeah, we're really proud of you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. We both, Mayor and I, were like, we're not going to cry during graduation. We're not going to be those people. Didn't happen. Like tears, <laughs> tears were down. <laughs> right under the bus. It's all good. Um, but I, I love this family because we do stop and we celebrate. Uh, we celebrate the big events in people's lives, and um, I'm just really grateful for that. Um, yeah, how do I transition into a teaching after that? I've got 10 minutes, maybe 15. Um, so a lot of us have, have grown up in, in a world where, um, let me just talk a little bit about our cultural context, okay? So we live in a, in a culture that basically says your happiness is the most important part of who you are. Um, 
we have a lot of talk about self-fulfillment, self-actualization, you know, actualization, you know, manifest it, realize it, all these different things. But all of these ideas, and in my opinion, like culture has these pictures, and sometimes we can see these pictures, and they line up really great with the kingdom of heaven and who God is. And sometimes they actually are in stark contrast. And so I think culture shows a stark contrast of what it is to follow the Spirit. I think the, the church has been a people that have said, we want to do life in the Spirit. We want to follow in step with Jesus. And culture says, the Spirit is yourself. Follow yourself, follow your heart, follow your destiny. And I think it's interesting how some of those things might sound very spiritual at times, but I think that they're counterfeit. I don't think it's real. Because when we, when we follow the Spirit, we actually submit our longings, you know, we submit our longings, our desires, our wants, all those things to Jesus, and we say, you form the desires of my heart. So I submit them to you to form them in me. And so today, I've been loving this whole series we've been doing, uh, just talking about what life in the Spirit looks like. And so we have talked a lot about who the Holy Spirit is, what it is to, to learn to listen, and some of those things. And today, we're going to talk about uh, what to do when the Spirit says no. Or, as I like to look at it, uh, adventures in discernment. Uh, how many of you have heard the word discernment before? Okay, so just real fast, popcorn. What comes to mind when you hear the word discernment? Shoes? <laughs> I, th I thought you said shoes. That's awesome. Like, okay, Mike. <laughs> choose, right? Yeah, choose. And shoes. You could choose your shoes. That's good. Choose. Yeah, what else? Wisdom. Yeah, a couple others. What comes to mind when you think of the word understanding? Okay, yeah. Truth versus the lie. Okay, great. Big decisions, right? Yep, yeah. Yeah, good. Small decisions, right? Process. I think all these different things are, are great. Okay, fantastic. So one of the biggest questions that, that comes up when, when, when we talk about life in the Spirit is how do I know what God wants me to do? And so classically, the church has, has talked about this in terms of the, the, the phrase discernment. And discernment is something that the church has been wrestling with and talking about. Jesus has been talking about it. The scriptures have been talking about these forms of discernment for a long, long, long time. Um, one of my, my heroes in discernment is a guy, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who has a whole, uh, I think there's like 24 rules of discernment or something like that, which is just fascinating read. If you ever want to Google it, check it out. It's brilliant. He wrote that uh, back in the 14th century. Uh, but there's something about this term discernment that is so helpful because it brings us into a place of how do we take our decisions, the things that we value in life, and bring them before God and, and, and find his voice, his calling. Um, and that as followers of Jesus, this is, this is such an important thing to talk about because we need to develop our thoughts and our theology around what discernment looks like. And so I think what exists on either side of, this, of discernment are these two distinct ways of thinking about it. And the one is, is that there is only one path for your life, and if you miss it, you're toast. Uh, the other one is there's multiple paths for your life, and God is up for the adventure. And my guess is that may resonate with, one of them may resonate more than the other for some of you, but, but these are kind of classically the two ways that people think about the sermon. You know, either God has this whole world open and says, what do you want? Or God is like, I'm calling you to this specific place, this specific thing, and just do this wholeheartedly. And so I wanted to share a story about discernment that has gone on in my life um, in a particular time. And so in 2007, 
during a, kind of a very tumultuous time as a youth pastor where our, our lead pastor was leaving the church that I was at, which in my world meant everybody hands in their resignations. It's kind of weird, um, but I, I understand the wisdom behind it. Um, I was invited, Mayor and I were invited to go to Kansas City to be assessed to be church planters uh, in the Church of the Nazarene. And we were excited because I started to sense a stirring in my soul, like God was doing something different. And so Mayor, pregnant with Kylie, we hopped on a plane, we flew to Kansas, and we went through, I think it was three or four days of pretty rigorous, uh, it felt like testing. Uh, we were under uh, a lot, we had to fill out these huge packets of information about who we are, what, who we were, our finances, you know, our, our history and all those different things. And I remember the, the very first day, uh, the guy said, you know, the eight of us that were there, he said, you know, this, this is sort of the goal. Most of you are going to receive yellow lights that we do sense a calling to plant churches, uh, to, that you can plant a church, but these are some really, these are things that you really need to work on. Um, we get some red lights and very few green lights. And so I remember going back to our room that night um, after, you know, listening to some of the people talk and, and meeting with the psychologist and, and just starting this whole process. And I remember talking with Mayor just saying, let's just pray for green light or red light. We don't need yellow lights right now. Um, and so anyways, it, it, was, it was such a beautiful time for us. And as, you know, we finished up our assessment, so after the whole thing, lots of tears, lots of um, unique opportunities. Uh, one of my favorite ones was uh, I had a chance to preach, and uh, I got yelled at by the other people who were there to be assessed, and then the assessors were like, that was a great sermon, man. I loved how you met all this contact, and then I kind of was like, nah. But anyways, felt good to do that, to be validated in that moment. Um, but it was cool. We finished up and, and the guy, uh, Wes and the psychologist who was next to him said, you guys are ready. Like we, we give you a green light. We see the calling on your life to plant churches. And I think we left from that really excited. We felt deeply encouraged by that because something God was stirring started to take a little bit more form and a little bit more shape. And so we get home, and I started to dream, maybe it's Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. So I get home in 2007. It's Phoenixville. This is where we're going to go. It's going to be amazing. I just know it. And then the Spirit says, wait for three years, which sounds like a very small time. But when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, that's forever. Amen? <laughs> Anyone else in their late 20s, early 30s, you're like, yeah, three years is a long time. When you're in your 40s and 50s, three years goes by like that, but everything else beforehand, it just feels like it's, it's a really long way away. And so there are times, there are these times in our life when we learn to trust the direction and specifically the yes of God. And this is such an important part of our discernment process. But we also have to learn to trust the no of the Holy Spirit. And I appreciate that we have a map of where and how the Holy Spirit led the Apostle Paul. And so I think I have a slide with a, it's like a map thing. So what I love is for those of you like me who struggle with ADHD, this is Paul's missionary journeys, which looks like ADHD on steroids, which I love. It's like, he's just all over the place. The Lord is doing these amazing things. But the whole time we just, we continue to hear this language, you know, and the spirit led and the spirit moved and the spirit did this and the spirit was up to all these things. Can you go to the next slide? But what I want to focus on today is this. When the Spirit said no. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 16. Um, 
Or if you have your phone, pull it out and Bible app Acts chapter 16. Now, just a a couple, just a little more background information before we move on. So Paul had three missionary journeys, okay? And so the first missionary journey, uh, I believe, is in blue. The second one is in green. The third one is in this pink color. And then the fourth one, which some argue, uh, Scripture is pretty clear, Uh, Paul was then on a missionary journey to Rome. And so he was on four missionary journeys in his lifetime. That were pretty amazing. But we come to this weird moment, this, this little turn here, okay? And this is really what, well, this is where we pick up. So this is in his second missionary journey. Uh, and I'm going to start in verse chapter, or verse 16, chapter 6. And they went through the region of Phygra and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to, My, to, to Mysia, They attempted to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So I have a question for you all. What do you notice in this passage about what the Spirit has done in Paul during this time? What are some things that jump out? He obeyed. Yeah, love that. He obeyed. What else? Yeah, that phrase, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow him to go be a missionary. Like, what, what is this? Great, good, good. Thanks, Micah. What else? Yes. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, that, so it, doesn't specific, it isn't specific on how God stops them, right? It's, it's w- w- what happened. We don't, that's kind of left out. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, maybe one more. What else? What else do you notice? Lana. Yeah, why would God say no when you're almost there and then you have to go back? Yeah, so let's just put ourselves in the mindset of Paul. When you hear no from the Spirit or you sense all this stopping, how, does your, how do you feel? Like, how do you sense Paul's feeling? What, what, what uncertainty? I, like, my sense is he feels uncertain. Did I hear wrong? What else? Caleb. Inefficient? Yeah. <laughs> Time wasted? Interesting. Yeah. What else? I wonder if Paul ever thought, what are people going to think of me since I had to backtrack? Again, none of this is biblical. This is, we're just trying to get, a, get an understanding of what it is. What do you think Paul's going through? 
But yeah, any, any others? I don't want to cut anyone off. Okay. Probably got pushed back from the people. Yeah, the person who's driving down the street and like, hey, you forgot the thing back there? <laughs> oh, are you kidding? Yeah, probably got some pushback from those traveling. Great, yeah. Yeah, the war between the flesh and the spirit. Is, is, is he, is Paul feeling like, yeah, and I think it just brings up the question, what do you do when you feel like you've heard wrong? How do you feel when, when you feel like, I felt like God was calling me to this and it's just not happening? It's a challenge, right? Like, this is not easy, easy stuff. So anyways, let me move back into my story and we'll, we'll jump back. Actually, before I do that, I think what we have to understand is this. When it comes to the Holy Spirit saying no, we have two options. And I think this is real simple. And the, the first option is this. We either listen and obey, which is something that we, we've taught our, our kids since they were very little. Um, and the second one is I decide it wasn't God and I do what I want anyways. And so I think whenever there's a, there's a space of discernment in our life, we have a choice to make. Do I listen and obey or do I decide to take this into my own? So 2010 rolls around. Um, my heart towards church planning has burned uh, greater and greater within me. Um, I, I think about it all the time. Um, the church that I was working at put me in charge of the young adults. And so I, I had an amazing opportunity to start trying out some of these church planning ideas with young adults, started feeling this more and more excitement, met with some people um, in seminary. And they were just, we just kept talking about it, praying about it. And then uh, it was January of two, it was, sorry, it was December of 2009. And um, my friend Josh, who I was in seminary with, um, pulls, you ever see those little bulletin board things? It's like a sheet of paper and all the little things are cut at the bottom. Like no, none of you have ever pulled those if you're under 30, but if you're over 30, you're like, oh yeah, that's how my dad bought his lawnmowers. Um, so my friend Josh rips off this thing and gives it to me. He goes, hey, there's this guy named J.R. Briggs. You've got to call him. Because I think, I think, I know your heart for church planning, and they have this thing called the apprenticeship program, and I feel like this would be a really good fit for you. Because my, my heart was, my church wasn't ready to send me. Uh, they, there was, for whatever reason, it just wasn't the right fit. And I didn't want to go out on my own because I felt like I needed community with me, and I needed someone to remind me that I'm not crazy. I needed someone to be there when I was losing it, when I was crying, when the finances went, whatever. I just needed people to walk with me. So I never get, and JR probably remembers too, we met at the Starbucks um, right on Main Street. Um, and like, that's such a holy spot for me. I've had more incredible encounters with Jesus there. And we sat there in J January of 2010. It was either January or February. I can't fully remember. But he talked about the apprenticeship program. And like, from that moment forward, I knew that God was doing something really different in this. And all of a sudden, these dreams started happening. And that was then a year process of figuring out timing, starting to raise support, going through all these different avenues of saying, okay, God, I want to say yes to this. And there was a lot of fear in that moment. It felt like for us, we were leaving something that was comfortable, although we weren't making a lot. We, we knew what we were doing, but we felt this urge and this calling. And with what Renew had to offer, it was like we were stepping into God's presence in a new way that just shaped us. We showed up, um, you know, after that whole year, we started in 2011. Um, I would spend most of my days in Phoenixville, walking, praying, taking pictures, talking with business owners and leaders. And then I'd come back and 
I'd have opportunities to um, just to, I was given the keys of Renew so I could try stuff. My first thing I did, I decided to do this thing called Pint and Prayer. I had eight people show up at Molly McGuire's, which is where Stove and Tap is now. And we talked about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I said I would buy the drinks, and it was a $200 bill, uh, <laughs> which I got in trouble for, which obviously I should have. And two of the guys had a little bit too much to drink, and somebody fell asleep, and I don't think we learned anything. But what I learned was, um, what I learned was, is that God is outside of a specific space and a specific building. And it was such a joy to be in a community that just said, we see this and we're calling you into this and we want to help you discern. And I was in a year of discernment. Now, about a quarter way through that year, um, the, we had about $90,000 that was promised to us throughout the next few years. All of that dropped within the first two months. They just said, we, uh, we can't afford to do that. And so I had to pick up a hammer and a saw and went back to work. Um, and so I was working in construction. We were going to the Gribbins House Church uh, Mike Gribman is one of the finest shepherds. Him and Lisa just loved us well, our little guys. I mean, gosh, I remember Lana and Caleb and Kylie being this little running around on that, you know, the apartment right above the church, seeing people come in and like just, it was amazing. We were exposed to something that we knew is that was out there and was real, and it just continued to just do something deep within our soul. And the discernment process continued to go, continued to spin, continued to help, help us make good decisions. So when everything went south and our finances got dropped and I had to go back to work and uh, my ordination from the denomination did not go through. And so I felt pretty dejected. I remember being at Chipotle when all that went down with JR and our other apprentice, Jason Sheffield, and just having probably one of the lowest days of my life. And this is what I remember thinking. And I don't know if I said it out loud, but why would God call me to this only to abandon me here? Anyone ever felt that? Like that, I think that's discernment. I think, I wonder if that's what Paul felt in that moment. Why will God call me to this and only drop me here? But I think what I, what I failed to see in that moment was like uh, the generosity of folks like the classes who were helping us, supporting us financially, um, people from Fairview who were continuing to support us financially, um, the job opportunities that I had to redo a kitchen, uh, which covered so much of what we needed. And that was our biggest fear of going into this whole discernment season was we were going to go broke and lose everything. And the only thing that I lost was my finger, almost. It got cut on a, on a, a table saw on Cinco de Mayo. Some of you celebrate Cinco de Mayo with like margaritas and stuff like that. I just try to slice my finger off with a table saw doing a plunge cut. Um, but I'll never forget, it was in that little twist and turn of that, of that season of like even the thing that I had that I was going to provide with is now gone, that the discernment process became even more real. And I just watched my heart just grow so tender to Jesus. And like Mary and I were really struggling in our marriage during that time. Like not, we can't even tell you why. There was just like this wall. It was transition. She can tell you why. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> but all these different transitions were happening. And it just felt like we were just struggling. And it's like in the, in the loss of my finger, which also put me out of work for three or four weeks, um, it's like the, the Lord just started healing things. And then I remember telling JR very shortly after I got out of the hospital, hey, um, I feel like the Lord's kind of saying no to the Phoenixville thing. And I'm wondering if I don't ever do that, can I just stay at Renew? 
And JR, it was the most shady way that I've ever heard you act. We were like, that's really interesting. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Like, huh, I want to talk. I can't. Uh, uh. It was just, it was crazy. I went home and I was like, I don't know what just happened. A few weeks later, I showed up at an elder meeting. And um, our elders said, uh, we're wondering if God has called you to be the pastor full-time here at Renew so that JR can start to chase down this other thing that God is rising up in him. And you guys can work together. And I mean, it felt like the, Molly, or the, the Jerry Maguire movie where it's like you had me at hello, but I had to be cool. And, and I also had to invite my community who was walking with me into that discernment process because they were praying and looking and dreaming about Phoenixville as well. And so we went home and we spent the month of July praying. And every single person in our team that we had that was ready to go with us, we just said, this is what's happening. And everyone said, that sounds like that's what the Spirit's leading you to. And we support it. So I learned all of a sudden, like with discernment, community becomes one of the most important things in how we make really big decisions in our life. So it was crazy. In you know, 2011, I started as an apprentice. And in 2012, January, I was, I was commissioned as a pastor here at Renew. And it's just crazy to think about all the years from there. And the biggest thing that I learned during that whole season is something that Mayor has said. And if you've talked with her for more than 10 minutes, and she starts telling you about what God has done. She's like, we were trusting God for this. And it's like, he just overexceeded what it was that we were looking. We didn't even know. And so it's weird because I had to wrestle with some of those things, probably like the same thing that Paul did. Did I hear right? Did I hear wrong? Why would God call me to Phoenixville and then totally run an end around and move, you know, run a reverse and go in a different direction? It's because I think he needed to plan all those things in me in order to move me to the place that I was. So anyways, long story, but here is what I understand. As a church, Renew, we do still have this goal. And since the beginning of Renew, one of the things that that has been present is we don't want to just be a church, but we want to be a church that plants churches. And I don't think the Spirit of God has said no to that. I think it's just been a long yellow light. And I think part of that is he's teaching us to wait in the midst of this. And so when I, look, when I look around, I see myself and Johnny and Ben, and all of us have been apprentices here, and we're all still, we're back. I mean, you just can't, it, like once you get a taste of a, of a community like this, it's hard to leave. It's really sticky. But it's reminded me that we need to be a, a community that is praying back into this dream and this mandate. And so I just want to pause for a moment, and can we pray right now two things, that the Lord would send us new apprentices, that we would begin to see new pastors, new leaders that are called to plant. Could we pray for that, and could we pray for a church plant for Renew? Hasn't happened yet, but I'll tell you what, the Lord has sent so many amazing people from this church that have started beautiful things in other communities. So let's just pray. I just want to ask that you would just close your eyes, pray with me for this Lord, I'm so grateful for my story of discernment, and so much of it was around that beautiful year of the apprenticeship. Father, you know our heart's desire, and it's been that we, we believe that healthy things reproduce. And we just sense the health that you have gifted us with over the years. And so, Lord, we do pray for new apprentices. We pray that you would just, just bring them our way. Uh, Lord, even right now, if someone is sitting in, in this room, would you um, bring a name to mind of someone who might be a, a young person or, or just feeling a call to church plant or a call to, to discern if that's what God is doing in their life? 
Lord, we pray that there would be a church plant in the next three to five years. We pray that, that we would begin to see that. It, it's not just about starting another church. It's about starting a, a fresh expression and extension of the gospel where people who need to meet Jesus for the first time can come and be loved and welcomed and discipled and sent out. Lord, we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So back to when the Spirit says no. Um, what I appreciate about this passage is we see the Holy Spirit saying no, but he says go directly after that. And this is my disclaimer. The Great Commission is never off the table. There are times when we're in seasons of discernment and we need to be in seasons of discernment. And that's okay. Like that's a good thing, but he doesn't say stop in the ministering, stop in the sharing of the gospel, stop in these things because his love for the kingdom is so great and he invites us into that. And so I think for us to recognize that the spirit says go, I heard this was such a beautiful story. Um, so I'm talking about big discernment things and I wanna just share really fast about just small discernment moments of our everyday life. Uh, my dad um, loved this guy. He's been serving Jesus for a long time. And um, he now serves the Lord uh, checking children in at the church that they go to, which is a riot. Um, he, liked, he loves kids, but he doesn't like getting sick. And so he's been on like the, the front lines of, of this ministry. And so uh, last Sunday, he was checking in kids and he saw this young man over getting coffee. My dad never saw him before. So he walks over, gets coffee, you know, just says hello, starts walking back. He's like, Doug, and the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks. He said, go back and just, just talk to this kid for a little longer. So he goes back, you know, they, they exchange a few, you know, five, 10 minutes. And, um, you know, he goes, hey, by the way, you're a young guy. We have a, a young adult thing that happens on Tuesday night, and I really think you should go. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to tell that to you. And so the kid goes into church. He comes out, thanks my dad on the way out. And, um, you know, my dad, he told me about it on Monday. He's like, it was just such a cool interaction. And just to, like, hear from the Spirit and obey right away and do all that stuff, it was awesome. And so he, he meets with a young man at the church. He's a pastor's kid. He's the lead pastor's kid. We meet him with him for the last five years, and his name's Ethan. So my dad and Ethan were having breakfast on Saturday. And he goes, Ethan says to my dad, he says, um, so did you talk to a young guy named so-and-so on Sunday about the living room? My dad was like, why? He's like, well, this kid came in and like never seen him before. And he was, uh, we, we called people up for prayer and you know, this guy came up and he prayed and then he grabbed the microphone afterwards and said, I don't think I'd be here today if it wasn't for this old guy in your church named Doug who came up and told me at the coffee table that I needed to come back. And like what I appreciate about that story is it's not a story about how cool my dad is, he's really cool, but it's a story about how every little thing in our life becomes these beautiful opportunities for discerning God's goodness and just being available and ready to go. And so I want to encourage you in that. Man, when you're in the grocery checkout line, that is the most amazing space to just see God. These chairs, so uh, I got to pick these chairs up from the dock at BJ's, which we couldn't even find. I didn't even know there was a dock. I knew there was a dock there, but we couldn't find it. So we're driving around, knocking on doors. And this guy with these beautiful neck tattoos and face tattoos comes out. And he goes, what are all these chairs for? His voice sounds so much better than what I just did. Um, but <laughs> I said, they're for a church. He's like, oh, that's really cool. Like, those are some comfortable chairs. He's like, dude, why don't you come? He's like, well, give me your email. So I gave him, and I don't know, maybe nothing will happen, but I just think there's all these beautiful opportunities just to begin to see the spirit of God at work in our life. 
Back to big discernment stuff. If you're in a season of discernment and you're trying to figure out some things, I want to encourage you. This is what I've learned about discernment. And also, if you are trying to figure things out, talk to me, talk to Ben. We're not experts, but what I love about this community is we will walk with you in those seasons. We will help you. We will be a listening ear. That's what house church is really designed for in so many beautiful ways, to have people speak into your life and help you make some of these big decisions. But this is what I've learned about discernment. It's really uncomfortable, but it is an adventure. God is really good, and he wants to increase joy and flourishing, not happiness. He wants to see our joy exposed because he wants the glory, and it's a beautiful thing. Three, you learn to depend on the Lord, and your life with God is invited into a deeper space of prayer and reliance on him. Four, it exposes a ton of fear, but fear is always an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come and do some amazing healing work in us. The fifth thing I've learned is that community is crucial. You cannot discern outside of community. Six, God is good, and he takes your personality, gifts, weaknesses into consideration, everything he calls us to. And the last thing is he loves you and he is trustworthy. And so Renew, like in this season, I feel like as we're learning to listen to the spirit, he's going to say no to us sometimes. But even in those moments, it's a gift because we know that we're tracking. We know that God is up to something. When he says no, we don't have to abandon all hope. We just have to say, okay, then what is it? Because I don't think God would leave us as orphans. I don't think he would leave us alone. I think he wants to continue to move us in directions of obedience. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Um, thank you that you are a God that doesn't just give us the things that we want, but that you actually... Uh, you actually say no to us. What a gift that is, Lord. So Father, I pray that for those in this community today that are in seasons of discernment, maybe it's job, maybe it's life, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's um, called a ministry. Who knows whatever those things are, Lord. Father, I pray that you would give them courage to rely on you and to begin this process and to see this as a beautiful expression of your love and patience and kindness. Lord, I thank you for the faithful stories and the faithful witnesses of those who've gone before us, who heard no and didn't run away, who heard no, waited, had dreams, and then chased after whatever it was that your heart was for us. God, help us to listen and help us to obey. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.